Yes, people. Yo, you are not imagining it. You're not going crazy. It's a Monday, and we are bringing you a special edition of the podcast, right? Ah, had to go in the vaults for a little bit of locks, you know what I mean? Money, power, respect, baby. Because it kind of seemed fitting for what we're bringing to you, okay? So we have got an in a new indie film, bit of a heist joint, right, right? And then we're going to speak with the uh, director, you know what I mean? Uh, and what a great conversation we have. So people, buckle up, because we're about to go. Okay, people, so up first, let's take a look at the film, people. It is time for Free Day Millionaire. Okay, people, so thanks to the peoples at DDA and Search, not Signature, <laughs> both begin with S. Um, yo. I checked out the new, I guess we'd say it's a heist film, Three Day Millionaire, right? So this is directed by Jack Spring and written by Paul Stevenson. The film is produced by um, dum, 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 Lucinda Road Fracker. Um, Jack Spring, also Giles Alderson. It is co-produced by Fiona Campbell, Will Douglas, uh, executive produced by Andrew Pettit, Reinhard Bezer. Um, it's associate produced by Becky Bacon, David Bacon, Jordan Brompton, Stefan Callis, Kate Douglas, Simon Dwyer, Andrew Featherstone, Tim Fitzgerald, Sam Greaves, Wilkinson, Julie, Casper Forso Larson. Ashley Lidgard, David Mann, Lucy Mann, Michael McCain, Faye Pitchard, Nick Ramsden, Satwinda Sidhu, and Ben Stiles, with Sam L. Stevenson on board as a junior producer. And Adam Carter as a de development producer. Okay. Jeremy James Hunt handled the music. Andrew Roger, the cinematography. It was all edited by Alana Tierman and Kevin Chicken. Errol Jark handled production design. David Lazenby, art direction. Costume design was Syrian Kennedy Bell. Um, makeup, Catherine Gregory and Saffron Powell. And in the film, we have got uh, James Burroughs as Curly Dean. Um, Andrew Redman is Teapot, his dad. We have got... Uh, Codge is played by Michael Kinsey. Demi is played by Melissa Batchelor. Um, Budgie is Sam Glenn. Queenie is Grace Long. Um, Budgie's mum is played by Catherine Adams. Right, we've got 
Mr. Barr, who she's dating and who runs the fishing company, is played by Colm Meany. Um, there's Mr. Graham, played by Jonas Armstrong. We've got Gilly, played by Lauren Foster. She works for Mr. Barr. And also is a little bit of a love interest for uh, old curls. We have got Wheezy, played by Robbie G. Elvis, played by Bobby Diamond. The Captain, played by Rory Wilton. Uh, There's Junior Ministers, played by Charlie Woodard. Uh, we have got do, 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 Val, played by Lainey Shaw. Uh, I think that, that was Queenie's mum, right? Um, Guy, played by James Fisher. Priest, played by Morris Bryan. Uh, Nathan Banker, played by Daniel Frace. Spoonie, played by Sammy Meesom. Marion, Joanna Allett. Um, Trev, played by Matthew Blake. Ella, played by Laura Peterson. Um, Kelly Devine, Catherine Garton, and Kev, played by Matthew Ride-Smith. So, people, the gist of the flick is this. You've seen Ocean's Eleven. Now get ready for Grimsby's 4. After weeks at sea working for Grimsby's... Grim, Grimsby's... Last remaining trawler, three friends return home to have the ultimate three day long celebration. However, when they discover the company owner hasn't been paying the workers and plans to shut the company's doors forever, they realize they must save their company, save their friends, and most importantly, save their way of life. With the help of an unexpected confidant, the three lads attempt to carry out the greatest heist Grimsby has ever seen. What could possibly go wrong? Which, you know, <laughs> are uh, the, the last words uttered many a time, right? So, um, yeah, like, I think one of the, the in most interesting things about this is, like, we get a montage at the beginning. You know, and they're just talking about Grimsby and the, the the fishing community, and it's like it was the biggest, supposedly the biggest fishing port in the world, right? Not just the UK, but in the world, which definitely an interesting one, right? Because there's a load of spots that were big fishing places, you know. I so I didn't realize. Grimsby was the largest of them all, right? It's just you know that a load of these places got basically taken down, right? With all the new fishing regulations and just, you know, the processing plant and just all of these things just decimated these communities. So, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, we, we come in... And there's a lot of, mm, it's breaking the fourth rule, right? When the people on screen talk to you. I believe it is that. my Today, my memory is just all over the place. All over the frigging place. But I think it's breaking the fourth wall. We get a lot of that in this film. You know, um, it's usually Curly talking to the audience. Right, explaining a little certain how he knows this person, what this person does, and just all of that kind of jazz. So that's how we open up with Curly on the ship as it's coming in, giving us a little lowdown, right? So we get all of this, and yeah, they're they're having fun, all of that jazz, but unbeknownst to them. Things are changing. So I, I think at first it's wondering what the plan will be, right? What are they going to do? 
you know, as soon as you see, <laughs> you know, a safe, you, you figure, okay, okay, I, 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 I figure that's where we're going, right? And yeah, we've seen many a heist film, right, over the years. I mean, one of my favorites has to be Thomas Crown Affair. Like, ah, so, and both versions, right? Both versions are fire. But that, that's just a classic one, you know? I, to be honest, I was not really a fan of the Ocean's films, you know what I mean? Not really a fan. But, yeah, we got things like Snatch, which was a lot of fun, you know, Lockstock. I think they, they stole some shit in that one. Huh. Which was the one... I can't remember. Everything becomes a bit of a blur. There's one when they all dressed up as like um, shakes, but took Viagra for some bizarre reason. Like th that one, that one was a lot of fun too. I forget which which that was though. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we've seen a good highest film, so that's the big pull. Be like, how are they gonna pull this off? Right, so we see them doing a lot of shenanigans, which, right, when you break it down, there's really not any time to put this plan together. So, yeah, it's a bit crazy from that point of view, because it's just like, you know, to do something, like, it's not that easy. It's not going to be that easy to do this. And surely you would check a few things. You know what I mean? I ain't doing this shit ad hoc. You feel me? <laughs> but they do. Um, so there is that. But you are in it, right? It, it is like this. You're pulled to find out, like, yo, what's going to happen? How are they going to do it? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. How are they going to get past that? What's going to happen? So, yeah, you, you definitely get sucked into the ride here. Definitely get sucked into the ride. And they, you know, they throw in, there's a, there's a lot of humor thrown in, especially when Budgie has to get the laptop, which, man, I'm out. I'm out. I'm like, yo, you don't, boy. The things Budgie has to see <laughs> and hear. I think my man's gonna be in therapy for <laughs> for the rest of his life. That's some oh, <laughs> it's not good. That's just not good at all. But yeah, so there's all of that thrown in. Now, there are a few things, right? Like Hink Codge and Demi. And Demi not understanding some of the things Codge is up to, right? I think Codge being a druggie doesn't necessarily look like he's strung out on drugs. Because, like, when you've known people strung out on that kind of shit, yeah, there's a sunken fucking look, you know what I mean? So there is that. One, one of my biggest things that did bug me a little bit Right, was Curly and G Gilly because, like, I kind of feel there's things that get said, right? You can say certain things and you'd be like, okay, I'll give you a pass. Then there's times and it's just like, nah, you that's so disrespectful, so disrespectful. And I was scratching my head about that situation because it just seemed mad disrespect after mad disrespect you feel me but and mm, yeah I think we get towards the end and you you do see where the film is going but yeah it is fun it is a fun ride I will give it I will definitely give the film that you know, the, it's, um, as I said, like, you, you are kind of down to find out how this is all going to turn out. And, you know, hoping for a certain outcome. So, yeah, if you in, do enjoy 
a uh, a little heist joint, right? And it doesn't have to be overly serious. You like a lot of fun, right? And I feel in that regard, it is, you know, probably like the ocean films, you know, because they're not really overly serious, especially as you get into 12 and 13, you know what I mean? So, yeah, if, if, definitely if you're a fan of Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13, then I think that Free Day Millionaire will, uh, yeah, will keep you bumping along nicely or have you engaged and smiling. So, people, it's about to drop real soon. So, yeah, I think maybe go check that out, all right? Free day millionaire, people. Now, people, it is time for the, a, a really great conversation that I was able to have with the director of Free Day Millionaire. People, give it up for Jack Spring. Okay, people, so I am joined today by Jack Spring. Jack, the director of the new Grimsby Svet heist film, Three Day Millionaire. Hey, man, thank you so much for um, stopping by. How are you doing? David, absolute pleasure, mate, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, mate. Um, yeah, really, really good. We've got the world premiere... Um... Coming up tomorrow, so it's uh, it's all rather busy, and uh, yeah, lots of fun. It's like I, I'm going to go to bed tonight, and it's going to be like Christmas Eve for a kid, and I am uh, I am very excited. And yeah, it's going to be a great night. Well, Jack, man, that's that's really because this is your fifth feature, right? You've done a documentary, done a number of short films, but you're still feeling that kind of that buzz on premiere day. That's golden, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's feature film number two, and then we've done I've done like a TV show and a documentary, so yeah, it's like it's this kind of project. Um, and yeah, I mean it's you know Grimsby is where all my family are from, um, so I spent a lot of, I spent a lot of time here as a kid, and um, you know kind of know know the town like the back of my hand. So you know when I got sent the script, it was based in in the area, all about the town's kind of history and culture and kind of proud identity. It was pretty. Uh, pretty obvious we should do it and um yeah it's been a long hard journey it's been kind of five years of work really um and yeah tomorrow night it goes from being this kind of project that your little kind of clique know about um to being spread all over the cinema floor like a messy after and uh, <laughs> yeah I, I i cannot wait it's very exciting <laughs> All right, so what was the big thing that pulled you to this film, other, other than the Grimsby aspect of it? Yeah, there are so many things, man. Like, the the characters, first and foremost, like, I love big, kind of hyper-real characters. Like, I absolutely love them. And, um, you know, people you can watch uh, Weatherspoons for 94 minutes, never mind dramatic situations with other interesting people. Um, and the dialogue was so great, and... The music, like we've got the Water Boys have done our soundtrack, um, so we've got some cracking tunes in there, and they were kind of all in the script as well. And um, yeah, just so many things. Like I've always said, if I don't make a nine out of ten film with this script, I've messed up. And um, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm hopeful people love it. And um, yeah, there, there's just so much going for it. You know, it, as I said, there's a long fight to get it made, but. I'm so, so glad we did. And I'm so glad I saw the script and, and got sent it by the writer. And there's, it's just brilliant. It's kind of got, it's got bits of everything as well. Like it's got the comedy, it's got the high stuff, it's got, you know, political bits. It's, it's sweet, it's sad. You know, it's kind of, it's like a pick and mix of joy. <laughs> Afterbirth and a pick and mix. Right, it's definitely... We've had uh... it all. Interesting ways of describing this, man. <laughs> I should be the writer, shouldn't I? Crikey, I've got away with it. Right, what for you? Like, what was the probably the hardest part of putting this? You know, bringing this to life. 
Yeah, it's it's always the same answer for me, and it's raising raising the money. You know, like once you because I've done like hundreds of shorts, and obviously you know a lot a lot of projects since since the shorts kind of time. Mm. I don't find directing it is challenging, but it's challenging in a way that I do so much homework. Like I do six months of homework, and we rehearse for two weeks. So by the time you're actually on set, it's actually quite fun. Like a lot of decisions have been made, you know, and you're just kind of using a little bit of intuition kind of sprinkled on top for them, you know, little things that you need on the day. Um, but raising the cash, like, you know, I, I started trying to raise money for this in 2018, I want to say, maybe earlier. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a million pound plus budget. And then we went from doing Destination Jewsbury, the previous movie that was 150K budget, you know, to raising more than a million quid. So mm. it's, it's a big step and you're kind of almost fighting again with your investor network because, you know, as, as brutal as it sounds, people that can put in 510k that are really helpful for Destination Dewsbury, you know, a lot of them put in their 510k again, but, you know, you, you've kind of got to find people that can put in quarter of a million, half a million kind of chance. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a kind of money world, you know, I had a lovely, lovely, loving upbringing, but it wasn't one kind of, filled with uh, excess cash and um yeah so you know for me from from my kind of background and kind of lack of sort of finance side experience is very much kind of coming at it from a director until the first film where i had to learn to raise the money it's, it's definitely the raising the cash you know it's, it was a long slog and we we tried in london for like two or three years to find the money and then the penny dropped that obviously we need to you know find people in Grimsby, you know, that, that kind of, as well as like the idea of the financial returns and the kind of also care about what it's doing for Grimsby as a place, you know, which is showing it extremely positively and, and you know, hopefully changes perception of the town, you know, across the UK and abroad. And um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's always raising the cash. Once you raise the cash, you know, you get to do your job. You know, there, there's kind of no other, I think actors and directors, there, there's no other kind of group of people employment wise that have to work so hard just to work like it's mental um yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise, raising the money finding the cash um you know but we ended up with a, a collective of you know wonderful investors every single one of them bar one from grimsby um okay a host of corporate sponsors you know we raised a good chunk of the budget from companies that, that supported the film and sponsored us um yeah, you know, so, you know, without them guys, you know, I wouldn't be speaking to you today. We wouldn't have a film. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're the key to it. They, they let the train leave the station. <laughs> and when you, you know, like from, you know, the first film um, to this with, you know, your, your funders, is this a kind of like, do you try and keep it as an ongoing situation? So maybe they're on board all the way through kind of thing. But when they see what you can do, you know what I mean? And the return they get, do they, do, do you find they stay on board? Yeah. So we, we set up a production company for this one. Um, so yeah, a, a, a good percentage of our investors are kind of in the production company long term and have kind of made the, many more films after this which is great and you know it's just a massive show of confidence from them and, and again you know i'm just extremely grateful um you know to, so there's not many filmmakers that get that opportunity you know i'm not naive like i know how hard it is to raise cash and i know especially when you're not from you know the ultra wolf kind of background it's even harder and there's not many filmmakers that you know have got into film through the creative so because they love making films that you know are either taught how to raise money or lucky enough to stumble upon them people that, that can back them and you know our guys our production company shush films and um you know we've got we've got a team of wonderful investors there and, and you know a great team development guys and you know my producer giles and yeah it's just a really you know i i don't it sounds a bit cheesy but i genuinely you know wake up every day very aware of how lucky i am and um you know it's not an opportunity that i'm going to kind of cock up hopefully <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it doesn't sound cheesy at all man it doesn't sound cheesy at all you know like when you got the script and you're looking at it and you're, you're planning this out 
did you automatically know the shots that you wanted to start the film? You know, to bring yeah, people good... in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. I mean, the, the script is super visual, you know, so when you read it, and especially because I knew Grimsby, I knew kind of, you know, from the first read where I wanted to shoot everything. Um, right. You, you right. know, I think any, any kind of creative, particularly reading the script, can sort of visualise it to an extent. But then, again, going back to the amount of homework I do, I do about a month and a half of storyboarding and then, you know, kind of basically three months of script analysis, basically working out how to direct the actors. Um, so on the storyboarding part, you know, you... Your, your perception kind of slightly changes because it just becomes a kind, you know, from your kind of automatic uh, intuition or, or assumption that's in your head when you read it, and then you actually spend time drawing it out and making sure it'll work. You know, it, it kind of gets retranslated again. But then, you know, it's a shame I can't show you some of my drawings because they are basically snowmen. You know, with with not much else. You know. <laughs> They, they essentially help me establish, you know, whether it's going to be a close-up, a two-shot, a wide, you know, camera movement, stuff like that, you know. And then, you know, then I hand it kind of, we come up with a shot list with the DOP based off them storyboards and, and, and their input. And, you know, from then, I have literally, you know, maybe not nothing to do with the visuals, but I couldn't tell you how to turn on a camera, where to put lights to make it look pretty. You know, like, you know, my storyboards, are, you know, my, my framing is set, you know, so I know, you know, where they're going to be in frame and what kind of shot it is. But apart from that, you know, I can't take any credit for how pretty Three Day Millionaire looks. You know, Andy Roger, the, the DOP, he had a fantastic team with him. And, you know, I, I'm very much not a, you know, despite having a, a bit of a kind of distinctive style uh, or like a, a kind of a set style now, I've done a couple of films um, that kind of run, run, runs true between both. Um, I I have almost zero technical knowledge when it comes to cameras, lighting, sound. You know, I I very much kind of see myself as the conductor of the orchestra, and they mm. they all play the music. They know how to play the instruments, and and then you know I know how to play the actors. You know, I'm I'm kind of head of department of them. You know, that's my kind of craft as well as being the uh, the uh, conductor of the orchestra. So so yeah, um, it it kind of all falls together through a lot of kind of people, but yeah, that was a very long winded answer to a very simple question. <laughs> but, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, that... you, ha you, you have a bit of an idea when you read it. Yeah. No, no, no. That look, you laid it out nicely, right? It, it's good to get those different insights into things. You know what I mean? Because it's just yeah, like, yeah. It, there has to be a level of trust when you do this bit. Like, as you saying, you know, what I mean, not having the, 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 you know, the whole technical knowledge of cameras and lighting and all of that. So you're now relying on these people to kind of buy into your vision and then help bring that to life. Like, yeah. how do you grow that for you? I, I think it kind of all comes back to your homework, right? Because you, you know, like if you turn up to set and you don't really know what you want you know, or, or you can't set that direction, um, then you're going to lose respect pretty quickly, you know, especially being young, like I'm, I'm only 26. So, you know, like if, if you're not prepared, you know, you're going to lose people on day one. Um, mm. But, you know, because I have done that homework, and I know kind of, you know, to my level of input that I should have on shots, exactly what I want. Um, yeah, it, it kind of just kind of happens happens pretty smoothly i think on this one in particular because it was grimsby as well you know i was pretty adamant that when people arrived i took them for a little tour of grimsby showed them where we were shooting showed them all the kind of important landmarks and you know i don't think my uh love for grimsby is at all missing from the film you know it's kind of a someone described it as a love letter to grimsby the other day and i think that's kind of without that being at the forefront of my mind probably accurate so i think they probably bought into the kind of my love for the story we were telling as well Mm, mm. Well, yeah, I, I think like the, the visual tone of the film def definitely it just there's sometimes you watch something and you'd be like, I mean, that, the acting is good, the, the, the shots are good, but I don't know, it feels a bit too flashy, right? Or sometimes you think ah, it feels a bit too subdued, but it, this felt right, just right. And yeah. I will say as well, this is one of the, like, oftentimes when we have a club scene, like, you watch it and you're like, 
I have never been in a club that empty, <laughs> right? These people got yeah, way too yeah. much room to be able to dance to do it. Like yeah, this yeah. actually felt like yeah. you're in a club, right? Yeah, man. So yeah, I, I like the, I, I like mean, the attention to detail. Thank you. Yeah, I you know like ultimately these things are printed forever, right? So you you know you get it right, and um you know like even you know that the help that we had in the town was pretty uh, miraculous. Like you know all them people in that club scene. Apart from my kind of main actors, none of them were paid. You know, there were extras that came along, you know, gave their day up and, you know, kind of waited eight hours to have a 10-minute boogie on the dance floor to uh, <laughs> to know music because that was back at the sound. Um, I think we did actually play music that day. Cause, yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, you know, like, we, I think that the film was kind of visual. Like, the town kind of, like, it's all that kind of red brick ex-industrial kind of look throughout the whole town that's why i think grimsby is a place to make films is like excellent because it's so consistent like mm. usually like the, the first film destination Jewelry, we shot um just outside of leeds and there because leeds is kind of some of it's modern and some of it's built up and you know some of it's kind of studenty and some of it's kind of still uh, like loaded terrace housing and stuff it's fairly like inconsistent yeah. I think, like, production value-wise for a film, you always want a consistent look throughout, right? And, um, you know, Grimsby had that. So I think, like, the colour palette and the way it looked was kind of, you know, we were led down a very organic path from what was here. And then, you know, Andy Roger added his, his, uh, his magic on top. And, yeah, I mean, the whole thing looks great. You know, I can't take credit for it. But, you know, it does look, you know, it looked, it looked amazing. You know, them guys did a, a truly, you know, miraculous job. And, um yeah, you know, I mean, the whole crew, man, like, you know, look, I, I spent a little bit of time last night just thinking about it. And, you know, like on, on the day we wrapped, I cried my eyes out, not, you know, because I was sad that, you know, I'd spent, you know, five, six weeks with these wonderful bunch of people and that was it. And, um, you know, I had such a good time, you know, the the amount of talent that was lent to me by these guys, you know, was 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 unbelievable. And, yeah, man, I get quite emotional about it because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of trust and money and time and, you know, people's lives put into this. And, um, yeah, I hope we do them proud tomorrow night when they'll get to see it. Well, I think it's a good thing, really, because, you know, as you said, look, I think it's the passion that we have for certain things that can bring people on board, that buy people into your vision, right? And so... If you, you know what I mean, weren't that emotional about it, I don't think you'd be able to have got this done, you know? You wouldn't have got yeah. all of these people, like, wanting a ride with you, man. Yeah, I mean, you'd give up after not getting it financed within a few weeks, you know, like, <laughs> and, and yeah, like, even, I told this story the other day to his friend, James Burroughs, who plays Curly, the, the lead, um, he... I went up to the day we met, you know, it was interesting doing the part, you know, kind of pretty much wanted to do it. So I went up and um, met his family. I went to his family home and, um, you know, met his family and, you know, took him to watch Grimsby against Chesterfield, you know, to kind of show him what, uh, like that very day, to show him what kind of Grimsby meant to the folks that are from it. You know, it's one of the places where, you know, I think, no, I love living in London, um, you know, because there's lots of different people and I think that's wonderful. Um, you know, Grimsby, you know, is everyone kind of looks and sounds the same. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't you know, I'm not saying that's a, a positive for the town at all. But I, what I think, I think a, uh, uh, something that comes from that is that there is there is far more of a sense of community because, you know, like instinctively, you know, people you know, that, that all look and sound the same, you know, you don't have that kind of division that you might have in London. Like growing up in London, I, I never felt like a kind of, you know, like a, a Londoner in a way, like you don't have that kind of sense of strict identity that I think people up here, you know, being Grim from Grimsby means, you know, it's so much more part of your identity. Um, you know, mm. kind of probably because of that, and 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 um, and yeah, you know, like the the passion that these people have for their town, and you know, even with all the slating that it's had, you know, by everyone and. The previous film that shall not be mentioned uh, that used the town's name. Uh, yeah, you know, like you know, it's about time someone gave the town some love, and not even love, just telling the proper story. Cause there's so much story here, man. Like there's so, you know, this used to be the world's largest fishing port, 
you know, like just the the the, the stories that I you know, I went and met fishermen and still talk to them, and there's some of them are coming to the premiere tomorrow that were the, the original three day millionaires that went out to sea for three or four weeks at a time, came back, got rat ass for three days, and went back out. And you know, some of the stories from sea and from land, uh, you know, just remarkably brilliant. And you know, I, I hope we have opened the door to the film industry you know, so grimly in a way, because there's so much more here. You know, we've we've just scratched the surface and mm. it's a wonderful place full of wonderful people and I love it. And yeah, you know, even though my accent is not that of Grimsby, you know, it kind of, you know, all my dad's side of the family are from here. So it kind of, I feel like it makes up uh, a larger part of my identity than it perhaps should. But that's because I, you know, have a lot of love for the place. And that, yo, that makes sense. Because, you know, I, I think, the the as you said look, london is so big and you get so many different types of people types of food types of culture all of that kind of thing but you've got like north londoners hating south londoners and just that kind of yeah. thing but then north london you get that split because when you just let's just say football right you've got arsenal tottenham both north london do not like each other, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so it's just, there's not that, say, as you said, that community feel because yeah. of that segmentation. But when you go yeah. to a like Grimsby, Hull, you know what I mean? Those sort of spots, there's a different feel to it all. Yeah, yeah, like 100%. Like I, th I think, and I think it's because collectively these towns have been through quite a lot of hardship as well. You know, like you look at almost any ex-industrial northern town that at whatever point had its industry pulled and yeah. sort of struggled to, you know, like Grimsby struggled for a long time to find its new identity. You know, like that that, that echoes, you know, it's, it's kind of almost, this isn't just a film about Grimsby, it's kind of story that's echoed throughout almost everywhere outside of London, right? Uh, particularly the north. And um, mm. I think in all of them places, you know, whenever I've gone there or stayed there or worked there or lived there, um, you do get far more of a sense of, um, you know, we're all together in this that you probably don't get in London, you know. But I'm not saying, you know, like I, I absolutely love London. You know, if I ever accidentally have kids, I'd raise them in London um, because, you know, you get you get to experience lots of different people, lots of different cultures, mm. lots of different ways of thinking. You know, like you you just learn you learn about the human race in a far more kind of wider spectrum. Um, you know, and it's a great, great city. Um, but yeah, you don't have that collective sense of togetherness as an entire place, really. That's probably because it's like eight cities crammed together, like the size of it. Yeah, you know, like it's a mega city, and Grimsby is a town. But um, but yeah, you know, you know, there's no right or wrong. Each have their pros and cons. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that's echoed throughout a lot of places, rather than just just Grimsby. I think. Hmm. No, definitely, man, definitely. Now, I, I read that your dad got you into film, right? That yeah. When he's showing, when he's showing you film and stuff, was were heist films a big part of that whole intro from your dad? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really like I, I think I'm probably again a little bit unique as a filmmaker because I didn't really get into films by watching films. Like he made these little stop motion animations with us in the garden. Um, uh, I remember he got laid off. He got laid off work for a little while, and instead of playing football manager like most probably would when the kids were at school, he spent all day kind of prepping these uh, little stop motion animations, and we'd like literally print, you know, make a little character in Microsoft Paint, print it off, cut it out, find a stick in the garden, glue it, you know. And he had a very early digital camera, and you know, we'd take a picture, move it slightly, take pictures like stop motion animation, and shove it in Windows Movie Maker, and made these little animations that were like, we made like David and Goliath when I was probably like six, maybe younger. Um, and we did all, you know, like all the time we did these little things and they were great. And then kind of, you know, by the age of 13, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. But it all mm. came through, you know, I'm still bad for it. I still don't watch many films. And it's not because I don't like them. It's just because if I'm not spending two hours trying to get one made, I feel bad. You know, like, yeah, 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 it's yeah. a bit like, it's a bit like, it sounds weird, but I describe it a bit like, you know, people like um, watching F1, but they don't necessarily enjoy driving. You know, like, yeah, no, the other way around. They like driving, don't like F1. Something like that. I've used that analogy okay. correctly before, but that doesn't make much I mean, sense. I, like, I think it works either way. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's not like I don't enjoy it. Obviously, I love films. But yeah, like, I, I, you know, even growing up as a kid, there were, you know, there were definitely certain films I remember seeing Snatch, and you know, I remember watching the first half of This Is England and getting sent to bed because I think Dad knew what was coming in the second half, and it wasn't until years later that I realised why I was sent to bed. Um, And you know, things like even like you know, into my teens, like stuff like Layer Cake. We've obviously Colominian, who's in Frida, which is really cool. Um, mm. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely them kind of... Um, I don't like using the word gangster because that kind of gives the wrong impression of Frida because it's not. Um, but them kind of, you know, early Guy Ritchie stuff and that kind of sort of world and vibe and just these, like, collectives of these really interesting characters doing something, you know, in a kind of stylized kind of, you know, way of storytelling. And and yeah, I think you know I I think throughout the film you know my influences are probably relatively clear. You know people like Guy Ritchie, Edgar Wright, Shane Meadows, um, mm. a little bit of Wade Anderson, you know in there. And um, you know I think I've always been quite um, wore my heart on my sleeve a little bit in my work in terms of in terms of them influences. Um, so yeah, you know like it, it, I kind of didn't approach it as a cinephile like, like most film directors do. You know I kind of I just love making it. So just worked out that you could do that for a living and, you know, been lucky enough to have the help, you know, along the way to, to make that a reality. Nice, nice. And do you think you've, um, you know, found your distinct style yet or are you just exploring, you know, what that could be? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's hard to answer. I heard an interview, Scorsese got asked something similar and I think his answer rings true to me in that it's it's relatively hard to self-describe your own style is point one like I know what it is you know I can watch my films and be like okay there are the similarities you know I like my symmetry I like my camera movements for comedic effect you know I, I like these kind of color palettes like I kind of I, I know what I like and um, but then mm. there's there's also a kind of another school of thought and, and you know that that you know that the kind of hyper-stylized stuff belongs to the people like Guy Ritchie, Edgar Wright with Anderson. There, there's also another school of thought that I, I probably subscribe to as well um, in that the script needs to dictate the style to a pretty high degree. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like I, did, I did a, a TV pilot called Life in Non-League and that was a mockumentary. And, you know, the way it was written, you it was pretty obvious that that was not my kind of film visual style. So we shot it in a kind of more traditional mockumentary sense because you know my my uh, film style if you like or, or kind of my my intuition on how to shoot it if it was a film um just wouldn't have worked for script um so i think there's always that that balance between you know the what the script is you know, how it's written and your intuition as a director and i think your intuition is often led by the script you know we've we're working on other bits and and you know the, the next film isn't this kind of visual style at all really because it just doesn't work you know so so yeah i think i'll always like things like symmetry and camera pans and you know quick editing and you know but i think the style probably comes more non-visually like that's the link throughout the films like all of my stuff is kind of comedy with heart you know like it's emotional you know it's it's got a nice soundtrack it's no longer than 94 minutes ever because if I see a film that's longer than that, I ain't watching it. Um, unless, unless it looks really good. Um, you know, so I, I think that kind of comedy with heart is is the style that links all of what I've done and what I'm planning to do in the future together, rather than the visual as such. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense, man. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Have, I know I'm gonna have to let you go very shortly. Which is uh, a shame because I'm enjoying the conversation, man. This is but great, man. We could chat like all night. I know, I've got so man. many this freaking questions I want to ask you. I can't ask you. It's so well, infuriating. <laughs> they're proper questions, you know. Like I could chat all day. Ah, well, I, that, I'm happy about that, man. I'm happy about that. But <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to stop by again for for the next project, nice. man. Definitely, um, definitely. But. Let yeah, before I do have to let you go because I don't your, your PR people like you know, I don't want them to blackball me. 
But um, where uh, can no. people uh, find out more about you and your work and, you know, your new production company and this film, just in general? Yeah. Let them know. So, yeah, this film was Google Three Day Millionaire. Um, Bella's on online, the website, the cinemas, it's in the, you know, it's released on the 25th of November in cinemas and on digital at the same time. So almost anyone will be able to watch it on the 25th of November, which is very exciting. Um, and then I is, is that global Spring, as so, well. Uh, so that is the UK release, and then the uh, different territories are kind of staggered over the next year or so. Um, right, right. So I think it's out in America in I think it's February 20th. It comes out in the states. Um, and there's a few other territories that are still being still being lined up. So yes, it. Um, it will be available kind of everywhere eventually. Um, but yeah, UK release is the 25th of November, which is really exciting. Um, anyone that's interested in me, I'm at Jack Spring Film across the socials because Jack Spring was taken. Tut, tut, tut. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, just keep, a, keep an eye on it. And I, I think, you know, anyone that likes anything like Snatch, uh, This Is England, Frame Spotting, The Full Monty, you know, anything like that will probably love Frido Millionaire. You know, I, I genuinely don't think there's there's a lot to not like about the film. It's kind of, because it, it's a kind of crossover of so many different genres. There's kind of something for everyone. And it's all, it all kind of fits and works. And, you know, it's my best bit of work that I've done by a million miles. And, you know, I'm, I'm super happy with how it's come out. And, you know, we're, we're getting really good early reviews. And, yeah, you know, we've, we've done little audience test screenings and stuff. And it's uh, just really exciting. You know, and it's a, it's a proper good indie movie. You know, it's the sort of movie that there should be kind of more of proper British, you know, about this little corner of society in the UK and their style and their swagger and their, you know, and the film's just got balls. And um, But it's also, you know, got, got everything else I would like to see in films. Um, so if you're anything like me, you'll probably like it. If you're distinctly different, you might not, but I'm sure you'll find something in the film like. <laughs> hey, I will. I will say I was definitely down to to know how they were going to pull this off. I was. I, you got me invested. Good. You know what I mean. Good. You got me. I, I I did kind of. The one thing I will pull you up on, no, my man. I I don't think Curly said a nice thing to Gilly. I don't think at one point he said a nice like, "Hey, I really." <laughs> It just seems to you, it's just like, ah, you're terrible, you're doing this. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I love you, Curly. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a whole story behind this, my man. There's a whole story. So, the, one of the early cuts of the, there are loads of scenes where he confesses his love to her. They just got cut in the edit. So, we we had to, like the first cut of the movie came out at like an hour 50 ish, and I ain't having that. That's too long. Uh, and you know this was just like a rough cut and um, you know there was there was a you know there, there was this whole there, there's loads of scenes like in the, in the party at Budgie's house at the start Budgie's mum's house um, there's a whole scene where he's talking to camera telling us how much he loves Gilly um, you know there's loads of bits that were cut um, so yeah I think there, there's one nice line one nice line when she's introduced he says he's fancied her since school oh. Yes. I don't know whether yeah, that qualifies. Yeah, I don't know whether yeah, that yeah. qualifies as nice. I don't know if I would say that if I was uh, trying to chirp <laughs> the young lady. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're right. You got a fair point there. But maybe the uh, maybe one day the uh, the director's cut as such will uh, will suffice, and your uh, your desires for more more gilly curly love will be met. Maybe in four days. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe or, or or hey, why don't you throw the deleted scenes on the DVD? You know what I mean? If we, still we should do, you know. We should, I'm sure that they will come out at some point, I'm sure, because there's plenty of them. Like, they were great. And it's always, you know, an interesting thing having a kind of, like, cut in the arms off your firstborn infant. Um, you know, you've got these wonderful scenes, but they're, they're too big already. So they've got to be reduced in size. And, uh, yeah. and uh, But, yeah, it's, uh, it's always, you know, whittling down. It's, it's a bit like a... Uh, an iceberg, not an iceberg, like an ice sculpture where you start off and you've got this big block of material that you've gathered on set and then uh, you just chisel away until she's a yeah. fine looking culture, uh, sculpture of an ice queen. And um, <laughs> yeah, man. But, but yeah, maybe there's more, there's more uh, gilly curly love if we get a sequel. 
I promise you that. Okay. Okay. Extra well, love. Hey. More kissing. So much kissing. Nice. Good, 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 good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, look, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, man. And I'm definitely looking forward to see what you do next. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah I don't want your PR people coming for me. So I'm going to let you go. But uh, people, mate, all the good. information, all the links for Jack and the film and the website, they're on the website. So go to the website. And um, have fun. Follow Jack because um, you know he's going to have some more great things down the line. So, um, hey, congrats on the film. I hope tomorrow goes, well, it's been now, but I hope Grimsby Premiere goes like a dream. I'm sure Thank they're going to love it. And, um, yeah, good Thank luck with everything that you're coming. And stop by again, man. Absolute pleasure, Kevin. Thank you very much for your time, mate. All right, man. Take it easy, Jack. Cheers. Okay, people, so there you go. There you go. How great is Jack, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of knowledge dropped there. For any, you know, up-and-coming director, that's some valuable shit, I feel, that Jack said. And a real pleasure, man. Hopefully, we can get Jack back in when he's got another project going. But, yo, what Jack and Paul Stevenson were able to do with Free Day Millionaire, hey, they brought us a, a really just fun film right enjoyable but with heart it's a lot of heart there and a little history you know what i mean because i learned a lot about grimsby watching that so um people go check it out for sure you know what i mean share with your peoples you know what i mean it's great all right people well thanks a lot for stopping by on this monday enjoy the rest of your week and um yeah i think we'll be i might be seeing you sooner than friday i'm not quite sure we'll see what the fuck happens all right but people until then all right money power respect free day million air jack spring enjoy peace